Do you think we're going to be able to go to the movies again and not have our inside joke broadcast to the world? Because we're now two not. weeks running. Two in a, I mean, we're going we're gonna to have to go to another comedy to get the hat trick next week. Yeah. I mean, if it shows up in Transformers, I'm going to lose my shit. You're not, <laughs> not going to lose your yeah. shit. Can you just imagine Optimus Prime? I'm not not a human. <laughs> That doesn't make sense. I mean, let's try that, that again. I mean, is a yeah, no, let's you try that again. You messed it up. I know. You're stupid. Welcome to Daily Screening Podcast. My name, as always, is Daily. I'm joined by my lovely wife, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hello. And my partner in high fructose crime, Bartholomew Devon. Hello, Bart. Hola. <laughs> Why high fructose corn? I don't know. I don't know. Just felt right. High fructose crime syrup? Yeah, exactly. Let's go with that. Today we're talking Obvious Child, uh, new comedy, uh, the self-styled abortion rom-com, starring our former school chum, Jenny Slate, uh, as well as a slew of other folks, uh, David Cross, Gabby Hoffman. I like how you went to Tobias first. Yeah. Richard Kind, yes. So this is, uh, I mean, this is, it's a nice little, uh, started, it started as a short uh, short film that got you know, you know a lot of a lot of buzz, a lot of praise around it. So they expanded it into uh, into a feature. Um, it premiered at Sundance, I believe, I uh, this right. past year, uh, and got a got a distribution deal out of Sundance. And it's doing very well. I'm actually really, I'm really. It's like the little film that could. I'm really happy about it. Um, it started with just a couple theaters in New York and L.A. It had we mentioned this last week. It had a huge uh, first screen gross in the first weekend, um, and uh, last week it expanded to some other cities, so it's, it had been playing in the Coolidge uh, corner all week and at the Kendall, and we, we actually went and saw it at the Boston Common, the AMC, I mean, the mm-hmm. big major theater in in Boston, and that's... that's where, you know, where we saw 22 Jump Street last week. Exactly. So it's like, there's something not, you know, unweird about us sitting in a, you know a major movie theater chain and watching this movie starring this girl that we went to class with when we were 15, you know? Did you have any trouble dissociating Jenny from the character? Because I did. Well, I mean, look, the character is very... I mean, it is Jenny. ...closely but... based on, on Jenny, obviously. I mean, she she, didn't, she doesn't have a writing credit, but, um, I mean, all of the stand-up is very is very much her. That's her, that's her stand-up, basically. So, yeah. I mean, she's created that stand-up in character, though. Um... But yeah, I mean, there, there's a there's a lot of her in that character for oh, sure. Yeah, certainly. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I was actually impressed because yeah, look, it's it's hard when you when you see a, a movie that stars someone you know outside of the context of seeing them in movies. Right. Yeah, it's 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 very hard to sort of separate yourself from to stop yourself from every five minutes being like, I know her. I I I knew her. I knew her a long time ago. Yeah. You know, I know I know that person. Yeah. So yeah, no, there's. Do you, do you have anybody else like that? Uh, I think she's the only one from high school, but I know a couple people from college, uh, from Emerson, who 
show up in things. A guy I know uh, is a semi-regular on Bones, uh, which we don't really watch anymore, but we used to watch all the time, and he would be on every, like, four or five episodes he would be on. He was in, like, a rotating stable of interns or something that uh, they had. Huh. So, like, every every fifth episode it was his. Um, and uh, uh, there's a guy, I, another guy I know, actually, just I just saw a trailer for a movie, um, and I hadn't seen or really heard from that guy in a while, and he just he popped up. He's, like, the second lead in the movie, like, second male lead in the movie. And I was like, oh, hey, is that, that's, that's totally that guy Dan I know. So, um, yeah, so that, it does, it does happen to me from time to time. Um, and it's, it's weird. I mean, it's, it's very, it's a, it's a weird experience. I mean, it's also weird for me personally, like, coming from a background in theater. I mean, I have a theater degree and, like, coming in a back, from a background of performing, yeah. like, seeing actual people you know, sitting in my cubicle and watching trailers for a real movie starring people that I know. Yeah. Um, like, there's, yeah, there's something, there's something emotionally off-putting about, <laughs> about all that. Let's put it delicately. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, but that, I don't begrudge them success by right, any means. Right. I mean, Jenny, Jenny Slate has worked her ass off. I mean, she, uh, obviously she had her sort of famous short-lived uh, SNL career, uh, but she's done great, gone on to do great work on uh, Parks and Rec, yep. and uh, she was on uh, Don Cheadle's show on Showtime. Oh. Um, and Marcel the Shell with Shoes. Marcel the Shell with Shoes, obviously, uh, and, she, and she's doing good uh, voice work. In, like She was in the, she's voice like the grandma in the Lorax movie. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Oh. So, she does some, she does a bit of voice work, too, so, she's, I mean, yeah, she's, I mean, she's, she's worked for it, so, I, yeah. you know, I, like I said, I she, I, I'm, I'm nothing but happy for her, um, and and she's she's fantastic in this movie. Yeah, um, I mean this movie is very. I think this movie is very good, um, but I think she particularly is uh, really. You know, I I read a couple of reviews where they they're saying yeah this is like a star making performance from her, and I think that's I think that's absolutely accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, she brings a lot of a lot of depth to this character. Um, you know, it'd be especially because. She's sort of known for playing these sort of caricatures, uh, characters, these very broad characters on, on like sitcoms and TV shows, yeah. um, and it's great to see her actually sort of be able to fully realize uh, a character with a lot of dimension. I think. Mm. Um, so the the I mean the short version of the of the plot I think you know so the, sh- the short version of the plot is basically she's this stand up comic she. As her boy, her boyfriend breaks up with her. She very quickly thereafter loses her job, and uh, you know, in the midst of her breakup, uh, unemployment, depression, she has a one night stand with arguably the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Um, and then a few weeks later, discovers that she's pregnant, um, and it, the rest of the movie is basically her. You know, it's it, and this is one of the things I think really sets it apart. It's not a, about her struggle to decide what to do about her pregnancy. Um, she very quickly and, you know, succinctly decides, I do not want to have a baby. I want, like, I, I want an abortion. And, like, she's, there's not really a lot of debate about it. She's very, she's very, uh, she's very straightforward and very strong in her convictions. And so the rest of the movie is just sort of her, uh, sort of coming to grips with that decision because she can't do it immediately. She has to wait a couple of weeks for, you know, medically. So, yeah. Um, and so it's, it's her trying to sort of, emotionally wrap her head around it in the weeks uh, leading up to it, and then uh, sort of start forming, sort of inadvertently forming a relationship with this 
guy who is the the father of her abortion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that's I think that's really different. I mean, we have, it's not something we've really seen in a lot of movies. No, I I didn't really know anything about this movie. I actually didn't know that it existed until very recently um, when a friend came to town. I was like, oh, I want to see this movie. I was like, I don't know anything about it. And I watched the trailer. I was like, is that Jenny? Mm-hmm. And then it was Jenny. And so here we are. Um, but having only seen the one trailer, and that's it, and yeah. knowing nothing, and not having read anything, I my initial thought after the trailer was, oh, it's Juno Part 2. It's not Juno Part no. 2. That's a, not true. Yeah, no, um, it's very different. No, it's almost the anti-Juno, actually. Yeah. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that. Well, I read a couple of... Uh, so I read an interview with uh, the director, writer-director, Julian Robespierre, uh, and she was saying that, you know, in a lot of ways, this was very much a, a direct response to movies like Juno and uh, Knocked Up, yeah. where, you know, in those movies, there's really no discussion of abortion. Um, the characters just sort of decide right from the outset, well, I'm going to have this baby, you uh, know? There was I mean, discussion of it in Juno. Well, it, I, I mean... Say she goes to the clinic. Yes. Yeah. And I always thought that one of the good things about Juno, when people try to say, like oh, they don't even acknowledge abortion. Like, one of the great things about Juno is with the same ease that this movie has, where it's kind of like, oh, you're pregnant? Well, you know, let's go to this clinic or whatever. Let's do this thing. Juno's friend, whose name I can no longer remember. Olivia Thurlby is the what? actress, yeah. Right. I don't remember I her character's name, yeah. Um, is immediately just like, oh, well, there's this clinic and there's this clinic. You know, like, it's not something that mm-hmm. these girls are afraid of or they don't know about. She's immediately like, I know of two clinics. Like, do you want me to call one for you or do yep. you want to make an appointment? That's right. I haven't but seen But she in a while. then goes and decides that's not right for her, which is totally valid. Like, that's the whole point of your pro-choice. You have to acknowledge that sometimes people are not going to choose that path. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes they are going to choose other paths. Yeah. Also, there would be no movie. In Juno, yeah, she does have a, you're right, she does have a bit of a, sort of like an emotional moment where she's like walking up to the to the clinic and there's her friend is like picketing outside right. with yeah. the pictures or whatever and so it's like a big sort of emotional cri- like crisis I mean it's very quick and sort of short lived but she has like this sort of emotional come to grips moment um, and, she, and she has the Annie Hall moment inside she's yeah. hearing all the noises right we're knocked up. They don't do any of I that. I don't remember how they handled it. They no, suggest, they, there's just they, nothing. No, they suggest shmushmortion. Well, yeah, no, but that's like uh, Seth Rogen and his friends talking about it. As soon as she tells him I'm pregnant, he says, well, what do you want to do? And she says, well, I want to have it. And, like, the two of them don't discuss it ever again. Yeah, jo- Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen and Martin Starr, like, the friends kind of make a, make a joke about it. But uh, but the I two of them don't have the conversation. mom also suggests... Abortion, yeah, and she also, and then she's very like uh, the same thing. She's very like, no, I'm good with this. Yeah. I don't want one. Yeah, um, but this is sort of the opposite of that. And it, I, I mean, I really was hard pressed to come up with another example of a movie that really kind of just meets that head on, where there's no there's no crisis of conscience, where she doubts herself and no, and, goes back and, and, and everyone is very supportive. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, even her mother, I was. I mean, we were, I mean, the, the character was yeah. expecting, and I was certainly expecting the freak out from the mom. Yeah, absolutely. And then it just didn't come. Yeah. I mean, part of me was also because I've been primed by those other movies. I right. was kind of looking for the moment where uh, where the character was going to decide to keep the baby, and that was going to be the moral of the story, as it always has been. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't. Oh, that's great. I do feel like, I feel like there was a moment missing between uh, her and her father. 
um, because they had felt like they had such a great relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, where they sit down and they have pasta. And I was thinking about it, like, I felt like it was the first time in such a long time that I saw a movie where Richard Kind wasn't playing a total schmuck. You know? Like, he's always plays these, like, either, like, like asshole guys or, like, yeah, really, like, pitiful, like, self-deprecating guys. Um, and it, it, he was just this really warm, supportive presence. I mean, him and the Muppet, the Muppet. that's fantastic. I thought, because I knew going into it that the mom had had an abortion before it was legal, because I read a write-up that was basically talking about um, the ways in which this movie presents abortion and the different, and like the, you know, oh, her friends had one and her mom has had one and stuff like that, so she's surrounded by these supportive people who have different stories. Uh, But so I thought, because of her warm and friendly relationship with the dad, I just sort of assumed she was going to tell the dad first, and he was going to say... Like, oh, you know, your mom actually has been through that as well. You should probably talk to her. And that was how she was going to wind up going to the mom, since it seemed like she had a... I mean, I understand why you would go to your mom. Like, it's almost kind of like a reflex when you're sick or not feeling well or anything like that to kind of go to your mom. Although in that relationship, it felt like she would have gone to her dad. Well, but no, but I was going to say, like, if you're a woman freaking out about pregnancy and abortion, you're probably going to go to your mother. No, that's true, yeah. Who has had a baby and, like could maybe have a very different frame of reference and understanding of where you're coming from. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Did we actually see a scene where she tells her father? No. No, no we get... The, there were only so. two scenes with him. That's right. She, yeah. The mother had sort of three-ish scenes, and yeah. he really just had the two. He had the pasta scene, right. and the scene with the Muppet, and, and then he never right. came back. And that's, like, because it was the way they were sort of spaced out where... You know, the mother had the had the great scene with the mom in the bed near the end. Right. Um, like that's where why it really felt like there was a, an absence of the father because it was like he disappears after the first like forty five minutes, basically. Yeah. Um, I will say that, and I mean, this is coming from someone who is very pro choice and who is very glad to see all of this presented in this I was gonna way. Say, you have you have lady bits. You yes. have strong feelings about um, these things. I'm sure. But I will say that it. And this is, like, hard for me to phrase because we just saw it, and so I've been trying to, like, figure out a way to word this. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have a movie that wants to present abortion in what I think is a more realistic light. Like, I know there are many who would think that the realistic view would be the agony and the heart wrench and the forever regret. I don't agree with that. Um, So I like the idea of showing what is probably more accurate to a lot of women's lives, considering one in three American women will have an abortion in their lifetimes. Mm -hmm. But it almost felt like that was very much the movie's agenda, and that without that, there was basically no story. Sorry, what was the agenda? The show that was a very normal thing, basically? Yes, exactly. And that almost kind of bothered me, because I feel like with Juno, like, the point isn't, like the wonderfulness of keeping your baby. You know, it's just a story about this girl who, you know was in over her head and got pregnant and tried to fix it, and it didn't really go the way she thought it would go, because she's 16. Um, but it's not just about that, you know, whereas I felt like this was about that a lot a of the bit. time. You know, like, especially when her mom is telling her story, which I feel like it's important to hear, you know, what it was like when abortion was illegal. But it because you've got your mom telling that story and stuff like that, to me it just kind of felt like, a little bit like a propaganda film, and even though it's propaganda, I agree with, and I think it's good to have it out there in the discourse, like, to have people discussing this view of abortion that isn't what you normally get when people want to talk about abortion, because they get so weird about it, Um, but it still just kind of felt to me like I wanted to watch a movie about 
people, and a lot of times it felt like that wasn't what I was getting. Well, I mean, I, I think I think you're right to a certain degree. I mean, I, I it doesn't feel wholly like a propaganda piece to me, mostly because um, I think I think Jenny really grounds the movie uh, in a in a really lovely kind of way. Um, where, yeah, I mean, it, it, like, it doesn't feel like she's a prop for the message of the film. I mean, she, she's a very much a three-dimensional person, um, and all of her relationships throughout the movie are all great, and they're all, like, they're all really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, like, her and Gabby Hoffman, um, and her, you know, her, between her and her parents, that dynamic is very interesting, and the, the relationship between her and, and Max, the, uh, abortion... Daddy, what's the what's the abortion no. version of baby daddy? No, uh, we, should, we shouldn't be even like promoting the use of baby daddy. We no. should be trying to bury that one in a grave. No, and that's fine. So, uh, but he, but their relationship is really great. Yeah. Um, and like I, I would watch a movie about their relationship, even if it wasn't driven by this sort right. of abortion plot. Line, no, and I know? do like them. Um, and that's why I think that's why it doesn't feel. Like, so much, like, I mean, you're right, like, there's certainly, um, a bit of an agenda there, um, you know, they, they, I shouldn't say there's an agenda, there's a, a very strong viewpoint that they're not, you know, backing off from, and they're not, they're not skirting around, but the human element of the story is still compelling enough that, yeah, it doesn't feel like they're just banging you, trying to bang you over the head with a message, and... That's the most important thing. Well, so here, here's the re- the reason I asked you earlier whether you have trouble dissociating the person Jenny, yeah, um, from the character Donna, yeah, Donna, is because I can't help but wonder whether you and I, because we have known this person for quite a while, um, whether we are seeing more depth in the character because we know more depth about the actress. Uh, I mean, and that's why maybe. I wanted to see if Jamie's read was different. Jamie? I mean, I liked her as a character very much. I think she's a very different depiction. I'm not, I don't think I'm seeing the same things you guys are seeing, but I feel like that sounds insulting or bad, or I don't think it's a weak performance by any means. I just think it, I mean, I feel like, again, and maybe I'm being this misled by, I didn't read much about the movie before I went in, but I read a little bit, and there was, and I thought certain scenes were very well played in terms of, like, when she was crying, like, right as they started the procedure. Yeah, which, and, and like, that scene is well, so great. Well, but I liked scenes great. like that just because, like, I feel like a certain kind of person would read that as, like, see, she regrets it, or see, she's upset, but really I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, especially you know, she, that character's supposed to be in her late 20s, so she's yeah. about our age. It's more a matter of, like, how did I let my life come to this point, you yeah. know, like, how did I do this stupid thing, how, like, more people, you look around at other people, and they all seem to have control over their lives, and sure. they all seem to have very well put together lives, like, why does my life seem like it's spiraling out of control to this point, um, where I found myself in this situation I can't believe I'm in, so I love little scenes like that, but on the other hand, like, I, I feel like I read so much about, like, oh, this experience causes her to, you know, try to take control of her life and fix her life and stuff like that. And I didn't see any of that. Like, I didn't really feel like there was an arc from beginning to end. Like, she was basically the exact same from beginning to end. And I feel like everyone in that movie was the exact same from beginning to end. And usually I like a little bit more development 
as movies go along, so that I feel like I went through a change and an experience with the characters, whereas I kind of didn't this time, other than, like, she started the movie dating this guy, and she ended the movie dating this other guy, and it's kind of like, okay. Well, I think you're, I mean, from a plot perspective, I think you're right. I mean, like I said, so it starts with her, yeah, so getting broken up and losing her job and all this stuff, and she doesn't really... She doesn't really fix any of those problems, per se. She doesn't find a better job. She doesn't suddenly break out as a comedian or, like, get a big right. gig or anything like, like that. Like, I just sort of feel like I saw two weeks in this person's life, and it happened to be these two weeks. Yeah. You know, as opposed to any other two weeks. But that makes well, I'm me, okay with that. But that makes me kind of question, though, like, why did I need to see these two weeks? Like, there didn't seem to be, like, anything particularly important about these two weeks in terms of well, the overall course of her life. See, I feel like it's one of those uh, character-defined... I mean, this is very much a character piece. You're right. It's not, there's not a lot of plot to this. Um, it's, very, it's very much a character piece. Right, but what I'm saying is I don't feel like the character changed at all. So, like, why, why are these two weeks the two weeks I need to see out of her life? Well, kind of a lot happened. Well, yeah, but a lot happens in any, like, two-week period, you know? And, like, a lot of important things happen in anyone's two-week period of life. If I'm going to watch a movie about it, I want to know, like, why these two weeks? Like, why not the two weeks where she graduated college? Why not the two weeks where she met the first boyfriend that she dated forever, you know? No, I mean, I think I think there's a... I, th- I think she goes through, goes through a pretty dramatic character change. I don't, like I said, I don't think it's a... Like, you're right, her life is sort message, of in the same place. I would but. also argue, though, that the message the movie is trying to make about abortion would lend you to believe that, would lead you to believe that you're not supposed to think this was, like, a horribly crucial, like, two weeks in her life that she's always going to look back on, and she's always, because I feel like that's kind of counter to the message. Well, no, I mean, I think... This isn't going to be the thing that defines her entire life. No, but I don't think it's about her, about it defining her entire life. I don't, I just think it's one of those moments, you know? I mean, I think, and I think Gabby Hoffman kind of puts it best when they're having that conversation, um, where she, because Gabby Hoffman's character had an abortion in high school, and so... Uh, Jenny's character Donna is asking her about, like, you know, did it hurt? Uh, you know, do you yeah. regret it? Do you think back on it? Like, you know, whatever. That was the thing that got me was, do you do you think about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's I mean, yeah, and yeah, I think I that's liked her from, response. Yeah, but but I know, think that's what it's all she about. Mostly feel sorry for her sad, scared teenage self, as right. opposed to. But I mean, but I think that I think that's what sort of sums it up in terms of like what we're supposed to walk away with is yeah, not not that it was oh this like really you know, transformative moment or this really horribly scarring moment that she's going to regret or that's going to, you know, what, but I think it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's one of those things that will stay with you forever. And like every so often you're going to go back to that memory and you're going to, you're going to dwell on it. You're going to think about it and you know, how, where, what sort of different path it sets you on, but it's not necessarily like one of those things that, you know, turns your, inverts your entire life forever, yeah. and, you know, you're never the same person again. It's just sort of like, no, that's a, that's a crucial moment that, you know, changed my, my psyche and my personality, if not, you know, the plot of my life, yeah. you know? I will say as well, though, especially, and I mean, maybe this just goes back to the Juno thing of there won't be a, there won't be a movie, because I feel like they wanted to give her that two-week time period where she had to... Basically, you know, she goes over the appointment and they tell her she has to wait two weeks until she can actually get the abortion. So I feel like they wanted her to go through that two weeks in terms of 
having all those awkward encounters with Max where she wonders whether or not she should tell him and, like, should he be involved in this or should he not be involved in this because she's going to do it no matter what and, like, trying to figure that out. But one thing that struck me, and maybe there's something I'm missing, but they said she was three weeks pregnant, and from what I know, that's prime RU486 time. Like, that's the purpose of RU486. Yeah. If you're anywhere, like, between, you know, conception and six weeks, you can take RU486. That's the point of it. Yeah. After six weeks, you need to have a procedure. Right. But the whole point of the abortion pill is for early pregnancies like that. Except then I guess you could just do it right away and then you take another one two days later and then the movie would be over. But at the same time, for a movie that's like talking about abortion in this like kind of enlightening way, I wondered why that wasn't mentioned. Like yeah. why they just kind of offhandedly were like, that's too early for us to do the procedure. You need to wait two weeks. And I was just kind of like, why? Like, you're very clearly Planned Parenthood. Like there's Planned oh, yeah. Parenthood stuff everywhere. Like you're not even. And they consulted you're not even with Planned Parenthood. Random in fact. women's abortion. Yeah, plan. no. You are in fact Planned Parenthood. So I'm like, how is that not coming up? Like how is that not even being mentioned? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I feel like Other that's than, you know, like Juno, there would not be a movie because her abortion would have taken 48 hours. And, right. Uh, well, but it. I mean, I feel like that's just one of those. Yeah, they don't explicitly talk about it in the movie, but. Uh, you know, I also feel like it's something that's so, like, yes, in reality, that's a valid option that is used often, in, in a, particularly in an instance just like that. But you could also just as easily say, oh, yeah, you could do, this is an option, but, the, you know, these are the possible side effects, or, or oh, I have an, well, a- I have I an allergy, well, I no, couldn't do I that. but I would have enjoyed that if they would have said, you know, like, here are your options, and we could do this, and they lay it out and she decides cuz there are some people who go through RU486 and it doesn't take and so they wind up having to take the procedure anyway. Right. So, it would have been very simple for her to say like here's, you know, what that does and here's what it is and if it doesn't take you have to take the procedure anyway. Your other option is that you can just go ahead and get the procedure but you have to wait 2 weeks. Right. And then her saying like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and do it cuz well, I don't want to take the chance of it not taking or something like that. Just see, something. No, but that's my point because you could literally write it off in a line. I kind of don't care that it's not there. But I care because, again, if it's a movie that seems so agenda-based in that it wants to present the reality of the situation and the different options that women have, yeah. like, let women know the options that they have instead of just saying, and especially because, like, that could be very misleading to see, I mean, I know you're not supposed to get medical information from movies, but let's face it, most that's people true. do. Most people do. And TV that's also and movies. True. Um, and so I feel like you could very easily, not that it's their responsibility to make sure, you know, people know exactly what's going on, but I could so easily see someone, especially someone young, being like, oh, well, I'm pregnant, and if I had to guess, I'm probably two or three weeks pregnant, I can't get an abortion yet. Because I saw in that movie that she was three weeks pregnant, and they told her it was too early. And not know that there's another option out there. Right, well, I mean, yeah, I guess. Like I said, Not, like, holding this movie responsible for all pregnant people from now on. I'm well, I'm glad. Saying, I'm uh, just yeah. saying. But, you know, speaking of, you know, if, holding responsibility. As someone who does know about these things, when they said that in the movie, I raised an eyebrow, and I even Googled when we left, like, when can you take RU486? Because yeah. I thought for sure that was the point of it. Right. And sure enough, it said up to seven weeks pregnant. That is when you can take it. After that, you can't take it anymore. And I was like, all right, that's what I thought. I wonder if they just left it out purely for storytelling. Yeah, no, I think they did. Um, like, because, like, because, like I said, because you could literally write it off in a line of, oh, I have an allergy, or, oh, I don't want to do that, or whatever, like, out of side effects, that, like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they 
filmed a bit about that and they just cut it because it felt like that scene was long or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like there's movie reasons and not information right, reasons right. why they and cut I, that I, out. And I feel like that, that's also the reason why we didn't see a scene where she tells her father. Yeah. Is I think it just probably... It probably felt redundant. Yeah, compared it's to yeah. not the same as unless, the well, say, um, unless, yeah. it, unless the you have... You in that instance, you end up with the opposite reaction where she tells her father, and he and suddenly he, and he freaks out. Yeah, and he suddenly freaks right. out on her. Like, there's no, yeah, you don't need two of those scenes, you know. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm actually, in terms of editing, I, I, it was nice to see a movie that didn't take all day. For yeah, change. I mean, it's like a tight ninety it was, minutes. It was, yeah, yeah, it was ninety minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of the last movie I saw that was ninety minutes. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And uh, it's rarer and rarer. Yeah, and I, I was, it was good. I, I it didn't drag on. I don't think it was any longer than it needed to be. Right, no, I, yeah, I think it's the perfect length. Speaking of holding movies responsible for abortions and for, uh, you know, medical information or whatever, I'm curious to see, so like I said, it's, it's expanded out uh, into some more theaters uh, in the last two weeks, and it's got a lot of, a lot of good buzz and a lot of people talking about it. Um, but all of the press that I've seen on it has been very positive. Mm-hmm. It's been people saying, oh, yeah, you know, this is, it's very funny, and it's, like, it's very good, and, and it's got a great, like, positive message about abortion in, in a way that you really haven't seen in a lot of other movies, and I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. I keep well, waiting if, for... If I hadn't dropped my phone under the couch, I'd be looking at, looking it up on movieguide.org so fast! Oh, so yeah, is that what that's It is my... Yeah, that was my phone falling. It was the... Movieguide.org is my favorite movie should, review I think site. You sh- I think you should explain <laughs> to the masses what movie oh, review... Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Movieguide.org is the best movie review site on the internet. I think you need to explain to the masses exactly what that is. So, Movieguide.org reviews movies... Oh, is this what I think it to is? ...to determine how Christian their worldview is. It's amazing. And... It's just as amazing as that sounds. It gives an extremely detailed synopsis. Like, you basically don't even need to go see the movie. So I usually only look up movies I've already seen, because it's that spoilery. And they love to use the words Christian worldview. So they will talk (laughs) about how Christian the worldview is, and give you very specific examples as to whether or not it's a Christian worldview. And it gets very, very detailed in terms of, like, the number of times they say God in the negative way, like, even if it's just like, <laughs> oh my God, like, nudity, male nudity from the waist up. Yeah, um, that's the hotness yeah, right know, there. Not a Christian world. Those hot dude um, nipple action. Like, violence not, and gore and... How do they feel about The Exorcist? They probably hate it. <laughs> do they? I'm sure they do, because it's violent and... You know, as demons. Yeah, but it's also about priest priest is the hero. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hand me your phone and I'll look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're fascinated, dude. We could fall. We could sink (laughs) down this this hole for hours. Seriously, all whenever I go to look up one movie on that website, I wind up there for like half an hour. It's glorious. Like there's, I want to know the movies they enjoy. Just like crack me up like and the ways in which they enjoy it what did i first find there i feel like it was star wars i somehow got linked to some review there and i died laughing and then went down a rabbit hole for like an hour where all i did was put in different movie titles just to like find them and see what they said and it was amazing i don't know what they say about like predator (laughs) (laughs) oh they probably hate that shit 
Um, but no, so while you're while you're looking that up, but that's, I mean, I, I, I seriously... Exorcist, Predator, or Obvious Child? Well, I think <laughs> all three, I think, but look, look up Obvious Child first. Um, I, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to see, you know, what threshold of success, basically, this movie has to cross before, before the right wing starts paying attention really to quickly, it. Really quickly, can I just say that when I was a kid, we used to get... Oh, what is that magazine called? It's like a... Highlights. No. <laughs> it's like a... You can still get it at the dentist's some office. Some sort of Catholic newsletter thing. And they used to have, in the back, their own movie ratings. There weren't reviews to explain it, but it would just have their own movie ratings, and the worst one was morally offensive. <laughs> and when I was in high school, like, seriously, I was in high school, and I went to Catholic school my entire life, to give you a frame of reference, I used to, like... Open that with such glee every time it arrived, and I would like read out the names of all the morally offensive movies and be like, I saw that one! Like, so excited. <laughs> and my mom was always like, What is wrong with you? And I'd be like, I love seeing the morally offensive movies. They're always morally offensive. Those offend. are like, the best kind! Like, American Pie, morally offensive. Well, of course it is. Catholic, whatever. Anytime a dude fucks a baked good, the like, church is going to have a problem Catholic with it. Review yeah. Or something? I don't oh, I even hope so. remember. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, I'm waiting to see at what point the, the, you know, the, uh, the right, Fox News starts paying attention to this movie, essentially. Oh, they're at what very, point they're very busy. <laughs> There's a lot of Benghazi oh, happening, oh, guys. Very strong pagan humanist worldview, emphasizing selfishness, personal preservation, and others' well-being, and an overall disrespect for the life of the unborn. Plus one insulting reference to a man being too Christian, though there's no evidence that he is a Christian. And strong homosexual references, over 50 vulgarities, and 10 like, profanities, well, multiple vulgar references to male and female private parts, and many scatological jokes. No, <laughs> no violence, but implied sex, implied sex with man and woman fumbling around with condom packaging. Many graphic <laughs> sexual references and jokes. Jokes about masturbation, and one homosexual comedian tells several crude homosexual jokes. <laughs> Men and women dance in their underwear. Heavy drinking and drunkenness. Some jokes about heroin. Heavy lying and very strong pro-abortion. Heavy lying. Wait, heavy lying. Heavy lying. Heavy lying and like very strong Wait, wait, wait. Is, is that like fly. heavy petting? That's, or just, like... that's just the content, which is the top. Content is always like your sum up for like what Everything horrible that happens things in that movie. movie. Yeah. Then there's summary, an incredibly morally offensive movie that celebrates the killing of children through abortion. Then there's, a, <laughs> then there's a review, and the first sentence of the review is, Obvious Child is a disturbing, unfunny comedy that celebrates the greatest tragedy of contemporary life, abortion. Don Histern is it air quote, every day, late 20s New Yorker, <laughs> and on and on and on. Not surprisingly, Obvious Child is also littered with foul language and graphic sexual jokes. This makes it even more morally reprehensible and completely abhorrent. I wonder if they realize that they're literally selling these movies to 90% of the public. There are so many Christian teenagers reading this website who are, like, added to the list. I just don't understand, like, it's like these people don't even see the same movie I did. Like, how, 
how do you watch a movie in which, and like you said, all right, now wait a minute. They only watch, like, very, like, they only enjoy one very narrow type of movie and, like, nothing else. Like, I just don't understand how you can find nothing good about a movie just because it presents a different world view than yours. I totally forgot, though, that pagan humanistic worldview is their antithesis to Christian worldview. That's hilarious. It makes me so But no, where they say, like, oh, it celebrates abortion. Well, literally, there's a scene where she she gets an abortion and she doesn't regret it for the rest of her life. Right, but she's and literally... doesn't there are, render her permanently infertile. There are tears streaming down her face again, while she gets an abortion. No, but I don't think it is either, but still, I like... I think if it were, they might enjoy it more. Right, but if I hear the term, if I hear the phrase celebrate abortion, I expect I her to be literally of girls lying in the... Literally yeah, having an abortion, an abortion party. party. Literally, she <laughs> should be lying in the chair going, woohoo! And then people wearing pointy hats and eating cake afterwards. Well, they would be wearing pointy hats. It's <laughs> I loved the abortion celebration in uh, Girls. Um, Exorcist is not on there, though. All the not weird, on all there. the weird Exorcist sequels are oh, on there. That's just that's just. And it doesn't look like Predators on here either. I have Predators. And oh, um, later. Alien versus Predator. Oh, Alien that, versus Predator. Requiem oh, and Predator one. Two. In Predator Two, but not Predator One. What the yeah, fuck kind of movie site is this? I don't know. They really like. You, Danny you know Potter. what? You know why? It's because they really liked Predator, and, and they don't want to. Yeah, they don't they want to really admit enjoyed it. it. Yeah, no, but I love when they talk about the movies they enjoy. It's wonderful. Oh my god, it's just as entertaining. No, I mean, like I can understand. Like, we value what, very different. Things I can understand it because I was brought up Catholic. I am Catholic. as as was I. I, I am not. Yeah, 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 no, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just. I'm gonna put this out there and say it on the record right now. Your moms are not like mine. No, that's true. That and is very true. Daily, I know for a fact that you and I watched Four Year Old Virgin with my parents. Yeah, that happened once. That was a mistake. <laughs> um, we watched tried, a lot of things with your I parents. I tried to put my foot down and say I didn't want to go to church when I was 14. I didn't even try to put my foot down. I mentioned to a family friend that I didn't think I really liked church. And I got such a talking to and a grounding, I started crying. It was that good. Oh, I've, we, I had many of those experiences. I had many of those conversations. Yeah, they never, they never ended well for me. Well, I, at one point I tried to explain the Big Bang to my dad. Uh, that didn't end well for me at all. That ended in a lot of vacuuming the house for me. Catholics aren't creationists. Yeah, I know. No. Catholics, the Catholic Church no. supports evolution. It's one of the good things they got going. Well, Jamie, is there anything else about the movie that really kind of stuck out for you? I liked the way the Planned Parenthood woman gave her all the different options because one of the things that annoys me when people talk about Planned Parenthood is that like all they want to do is give you an abortion. And I'm like, that's crap. I've been to Planned Parenthood for various reasons. And one of the things that struck me the most about Planned Parenthood was they are the like only medical facility I've ever been to that actually seemed concerned with me as like a whole person and not just like, why I came in that day, but about, like, anything else I might need, you know? And, like, one of the questions they even asked me, they were like, are you pregnant? Do you think you could be pregnant? I was like, no. And they were like, well, are you interested in any kind of, like, birth control or anything like that? And I was like, yes. And then they were like, okay, well, you know, what are your plans for your future for, like, the next few years? Like, are you, would you like to be, like, you don't want to be pregnant now, obviously, because you're birth control. But, like, do you want to be pregnant in the next few years? Like, yeah. they're taking into, like, e- they're taking everything into consideration. They asked me about my relationship and how it was. And, like, did I feel safe in my relationship? Was there anything I wanted to talk about, you know? Or, like, any other concerns I wanted to bring? And I left feeling like, wow, that was, like, 
the best, like, whole person care I've ever gotten in my entire life. Like, all sorts of questions I never would have thought. And even when she asked me, do you want to be pregnant in the next years? I said no. And she's like, okay, we're just checking because, you know, that affects, like, what we're going to put you on and stuff if that's your goal. Mm. Um, so I liked that, you know, when even though she says, like, okay, I want an abortion, the woman's like, all right, well, okay. And I can definitely give you information about an abortion, but I'll also give you information about your other options, like, you know, adoption right. or whatever else. Because that is what they do. So, I thought that was very nice. Yeah, I know for a fact that they uh, consulted with Planned Parenthood specifically for that, for that particular scene to try and make sure that they were sort of trying to very accurately reflect what that experience is, is mm-hmm. all about. So, yeah, you're right. That's, that was really nice to see. Um, I also really liked... I also... The one scene, sorry, the one scene that, like, really got me emotionally in a way that I didn't expect is when they first tell her... Like, she's trying to hold it together. She, like, you know, very much can't... I would be shell-shocked if I were in her place, you know, and I'd be upset and crying, even though, like, I would know that's the right choice. It's just because, like, you're beating yourself up, you know, I'm sure. Like, how did I get here? Like, how did I get here? How... And like I said, you can't help but compare yourself to other people. Like, how did everyone else seem to have everything under control, and I don't have anything under control? But when she tells her how much it is, yes, and she just, like, immediately starts crying... And she's, like, apologizing for crying. And she's, like, I'm really sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's just, like, that's my whole rent, and I don't, like, what am I going to do? And they're yeah. trying to give her other, you know, do you have insurance? Do you have Medicaid? Like, do you have people who can help? And she's just, like, shaking her head, shaking yeah. her head, shaking her head. And that's an experience that I, I was, like, very my, true to I was just welling up, and I was just, like, this is so sad. This is so sad. It shouldn't and be this way. No, I agree. I mean, I th- and I think that's probably, you know, that's, that's true of a lot of people um, in this country, and... You know, arguably, I mean, I, I don't know any statistics, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out that that's true of a lot of the people at Planned Parenthood sees. Yeah. That they don't have insurance and they can't, you know, they, they don't have a safety net to necessarily help no. them get through that shit. Yeah. So, um, and the, but the, also the scene of them in the waiting room, I think, is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and him sort of, basically him sort of getting left in the waiting room. That's a fucking tough experience, man. That's, you just sort of get sitting out there waiting to, for something to happen and you, like, everything's right outside the, on the other side of the door, yeah. but you're not, like, because it's not like, you know, some medical procedures where it's like, yeah, you can be in the room, you can sit there and you be supportive. No, yeah. you're just left in this position of, like, well, I walked you here and now I'm going to wait for you to do your thing and then I'm going to walk you out. Um, yeah, and there's something you should be doing, but there isn't yeah, no, anything exactly. you can be yeah. doing. No, um, so yeah, no. I mean, that's a, that's a rough position. And look, and you're right that 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 scene where she's actually having a procedure done. I mean, it's it's really staged beautifully. Um, yeah. It's and and sh- I mean, and Jenny really carries that moment very well. And then and then there's the perfect perfect tension breaker afterwards, where it cuts to the them in her apartment and. He goes, oh, do you want to put your feet up? And they're just sort of sitting there. And he makes a joke about the DMV. Yeah. It's like, it's the part, like, it gives you just enough time to, like... I got my license to yeah. I don't know what you were doing. It gives yeah. you just <laughs> enough time to get out of that scene, to settle into this new moment, and then, a, like, a perfect, great, like, big yeah. laugh line, like, right after that. I also really like, because there's actually a scene in between those two scenes that I think is important Which not to overlook. Yeah, because yeah. what I've said is, like, you can't, you can't help but feel like how everyone else has your, li- has their life together, um, and, like, maybe I'm projecting and that's how I feel when I do something stupid and, like, I know I have to face the consequences, but I always can't help but be like, why does it seem like everyone else is a grown-up and I'm such a mess? 
But so I loved that there's that scene right after she's done and she's sitting in a kind of, like, recovery room with a bunch mm-hmm. of other women who are in, like, the same little smocks and everything. So, like, the implication is that they've just been through a similar thing. And she's kind of still looking around, a little helpless, and then she catches the other girl's eye, and the right. girl just smiles at her, and she smiles back. And it's, like, a reminder that, again, one in three American women will do this in their lifetime. But yep. you... Are not you're not like this person who screwed up when everyone else has it together. You know exactly. You're not like the one who couldn't manage to do it right. Mm -hmm. You know, like there are a lot of you didn't mess up. You know, it's a thing that happened. Yeah, and it happens to a lot of people, and you all can commiserate with that together. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I think I think the stand up comedy sets are really great. Um, we really only see, aside from the one guy who makes the Bill Cosby joke, the Bill Cosby Richard Pryor joke, yeah. Yeah. we really just see Jay and a little bit of little Gabe Lieben. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of Gabe Lieben. He, he does great stuff uh, there. His, his little bits are really funny. Um, but it's mostly just Jenny doing the stand-up, and really, you, I mean, you get three really distinct stand-up sets there. One where she's sort of, you know, what her starting point, her status quo, and then her hilarious, drunken, depressed, I just got dumped stand-up, which is just... binge drinking for Oh my god, just straight. so funny. It's just so funny. When she does, ha- she starts to set, like, literally with her back to the audience, and I've seen that happen, like, I went and saw Mitch Hedberg and watched him do five minutes of material with his back to the audience once, uh, <laughs> but because he was also weirdly fucking out of it. Um, he never was. Yeah. But then she's got that great sort of redemption uh, set at the end, yeah. which you know, in a way, it actually kind of, from the like the the, the arc of the stand up, it almost kind of reminded me of uh, Michael Biglia and Stan, uh, Sleepwalk with Me, mm-hmm. where like when he starts being really honest and just talking about what's going on in his life, as opposed to like trying to tell funny jokes per se. Um, like, that's when he really starts to connect with the audience. Well, I get that, and I I get that, especially at the beginning, you know, Gabby Hoffman's character tells her that one of the best things about her stand-up is that she is so honest, and that yeah. if, you know, the ex-boyfriend can't handle stuff like that, then he's not the right person yeah. for her. But I, like, and aside from the fact that part of me always thinks that's a cop-out when artists, especially stand-up comedians, try to be like, oh, well, I'm just being honest about my life, and that's what I do for my art, and, like, seem to have no compassion for how tough that must be for the other person. Right. To like watch all their private things get aired in public, like that always really bothers me. I hate when people do that. It's like, dude, have like some concern for the fact that your significant other that you presume to care about is bothered by right. this. And I think, because who wouldn't be? Right. But right. but so then I get that at the end, it's like, oh look, she's being honest about her life, and that's what she's doing. And it'd be one thing if she had that set planned and she was trying to be honest about her life, and then Max just happened to show up, and that's how he found out about it. But the fact that she invited him to that, if I were him, like, I know they have that moment where, like, they're equally apologizing, and she's like, yeah, I know that was really extreme. If if I were Max and that's how I found out, I'd be really upset. Right. I'd be like, I know I, like, wasn't really returning your calls and stuff, but, like, that's how I find out, like, I, while you're on stage telling I, everyone. I read that as a way of drawing a distinction between him and the first boyfriend. Well, no, it is. Like, plot-wise, I totally understand yeah. it. I mean, and they just make... in terms of, like, a person-to-person kind of thing, oh, I'm I'd just like, yeah. Well, and I had that... Awful. I had that thought, too, because, yeah, the, the, that's, like, the first complaint that the first boyfriend makes is that, oh, you all you air all of our dirty laundry up on stage, yeah, and then to see her literally do the same thing to and he's back okay later with on. And he deals with it. Like, I get yeah. it. I get what they're trying to do, plot-wise. Yeah. But it was just kind of like... No, no, it did. To a certain degree, it felt like... 
you know, it's almost, in a way, it almost kind of feels like a Hannah Horvath-type moment, where it's, like, she's not, you're right, she's not really taking other people's feelings into consideration, she's just sort of doing her thing because it's what she thinks she needs to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's not exactly a role model, like, a, you know, right. move. It's not, it's not a very, it's not very considerate. Um, it, you know, it works out for her, and that's, that's good. But, um, but, yeah, but I think, I also, you know, in a lot of ways, I think that, um, I think that Donna's character is a little Hannah Horvathy, um, and she's appeared on Girls, you know, to, you know, be fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, in that she's not necessarily, look, she spends a lot of this movie just sort of complaining about being dumped and not having a job and how much of a mess her life is without necessarily really doing a lot to try and necessarily, quote, fix it or being really an active, taking an active role in trying to turn her life around and do something dramatically different, um... But, you know, but it's such a more, I think Donna is such a more three-dimensional character, uh, or at least a more recognizably human character than Hannah Horvath, who, you know, at a certain point has just sort of devolved into a caricature of a ridiculous person, basically. Um, But yeah, no, I had that, I also had that that feeling while while watching her dump all of this information live on stage. Um... But that's also a really, it's a really lovely, mo- like, that set is a really yeah. lovely moment to watch. And um, I also appreciate the fact, because you could see someone like Max being a thoughtful and kind enough person that, like, yes, he was shocked, and yes, he left, but then when he went home and thought about it, could have the compassion to realize, like, what her life must have been like yeah. in the last couple weeks, and, like, what she's been through, mm-hmm. um, and to realizing that, you know, he can be the guy who can step up and, like, try to help her and go there with her because she's been suffering for a while, yeah. you know? Um, is it that time? I think it's that time. Before we get to that time, there's one complaint I have. that It's it's a total stupid nitpicky thing, but I've seen it so many times often uh, recently in movies and in TV shows, and it's just driving me up a fucking wall. And, and it happened in this movie, and it's like, when I see it, I can't unsee it. And it's characters who are making phone calls, and they've got their smartphone up to the side of their head, and their phone clearly isn't in call mode. Like, I can see their home screen on the side of, on their phone, like, while it's being held at the side of their head. Are you serious? Yes, I'm totally serious! Well, it drives him crazy, he points it out all the time. He's like, that's all the not, time. That, he was like, he's like, that phone's not on call. Like, I can see all the buttons on your home screen because you're holding it at an angle off your face, and it's lit up. Or it's, like, flashing and calling. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can and see, yeah. like, that's, no. It just, it's so <laughs> annoying because it's so clear and it's so obvious, especially when it's, like, that's an iPhone. Half the people in this country have that that's phone, the real and they problem. all know what that looks They're like. They're the good name of No, I don't care about <laughs> that. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's, it's not like, oh, it, it could be anything. Like, who knows what their phone looks like? It's like, no, that's an iPhone. I know what... I know what it looks like when I hang up a call, and it's showing that on the side of her face. I know what the home screen of my phone looks like, and I can see it while she's pretending to talk into that phone. So maybe does it bother you? It just pulls me out of the moment. Every every time it just pulls me out of the moment. All right. If it was just a black screen, I wouldn't care, you know, because that's what happens when you put your phone up to your head. Okay. It goes to a black screen. All right. But, like, seeing a fully, it's like when you're in the theater. It's like a fully lit up phone, you can't not look at it. So when they hold up their Which phone... Which also happened in this, yeah, in this exactly. showing. So when you hold up your phone inside your head and it is brightly lit up and I can read all the icons on your phone while you're pretending to talk to somebody, 
I just pulled him right out. And it's totally stupid, but I love it. I'm, Calm down. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, it bothers me. Noted. Noted. Next time I make a movie, I'll make sure not to have any iPhones. The Alien's Heart of the Ghostbusters is not the most used <laughs> It's not. It's not the Heart of Ghostbusters. But it is that time. Uh, Heart of the Ghostbusters, who's your buddy? Who's your drinking buddy? Who do you want to hang with? Richard An Kine. obvious child. Richard Kind, you're going with Richard Kind? So he has Muppets and he's hilarious. He doesn't always drink with a dude with Muppets. And he'll call me an aberration and tell me I'm pretty when I make funny faces. That those are all very solid points. Super fun to drink with. I was gonna go with Ira Buckman. Yeah. I was. Yeah. But I came up with something even better. Oh, I'm now I'm intrigued. The elderly couple. It's not Ira Buckman. The elderly couple. The grandma and grandpa who are eating to each other at the table. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I'm contemplating. That's that's adorable. Uh, They've got to have some stories. Probably. They They probably do have some stories. They just have to. And and I feel like drinking with They probably can't. They don't do a lot of drinking. No, he wasn't Ira. He was was the other guy. He was the other guy. He was he was on that show though. He was on that show. He was not Ira. Well, I haven't seen Mad About You in a while. I mean, I don't watch it all the time. Who was he? He was, I think he was just there. All, right, all of his characters all run together. He was on Spin City, too. He was playing basically the same character. Well, anyway, anyway, I was going to go with him, but no, the elderly couple. Because I feel like he might wear on me after a while. Oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, look. And the elderly couple, they're, they're so adorable. And they have to have some stories. They probably don't do a lot of drinking, though. You might think that. I bet you're wrong. You think they're sneaky drunks? No, I bet they're openly drunks. <laughs> <laughs> That's They're fair. hanging out in the same restaurant with Jenny Slate. That's true. Fair point. Well, but she made a point of being like, saying she was the youngest person in an old person's restaurant. That's so true. I don't think that's a drinking mm, restaurant. That's a good point. I think that's an early bird special restaurant. I don't know. I feel like they would have their wine. Anyway, that's what I'm going with. I'm gonna I was I, I was originally going to go. To be fair, I was originally going to go with not with. With what you can, but with with the Muppet itself, the Muppet, just the Muppet, just the Muppet. Yeah. And I was like, that's too creepy. Muppets work best in the heat. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe, maybe I really should go back. He would be so good to drink. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, I'm second thought. I had that thought as well, but you know who I've decided to go with is I'm going to go Gabby Hoffman. I, I really, I really dug her in that movie. I think she's. Uh, I mean, but Gabby Hoffman's on it. Fucking roll. Dr. Mark Devenu. No way, dude. That that little rant about the patriarchy. No, that was amazing. It's you know what? I didn't you know Halfway what? through a daily turn to me it was like pat, pat, you pat, know why you're I didn't, enjoying this. You know why I didn't I was like, like that. yes I am! I didn't rants like it. about patriarchy and movies that I'm seeing. It's amazing. Almost as like amazing it. as when the second movie in a row says you're well, we're not not that. Yeah. And Bart and I once again went, ah, well, see, that was there for you. Exactly. Like the you got the patriarchy. The only reason I didn't like it is not because I didn't like the presence of it, because I felt like it was too obvious. I felt well, like that like was low-hanging. patriarchy right? Yeah. I felt like it was... very agenda-laden. No, I know, no, no, no. That's not even what I mean. I felt like it was low-hanging fruit for that character. Just like some of the gay jokes were low-hanging fruit. Well, no, I, I thought the gay jokes were definitely low-hanging fruit, and I was That's even... All. That's as all. that character came up, I even, like, made a mental note of, like, I want to see if this character does or says anything that isn't stereotypically gay, and he kind of didn't. So I was like, that's a little Yeah, upsetting. but he's really funny. Like, um, I think his his dialogue, like, his, his actual scenes, uh, 
He's one off of the fabulous. Our wave, our wave, we're way more. Yeah, no, and he's a very good friend to her, and he's yeah. a good friend to her in, in a much deeper way than just like girlfriend. Yeah, he's street, you know? <laughs> red wine and popcorn. Yeah, sack. yeah exactly. Yeah, no, I that's mean, exactly what I was. He, he wasn't. I appreciate that he wasn't um, ABC Family gay. No, yeah. I, I do too. But no, I like that rant because it seemed like that was. We didn't get like I'm actually kind of interested. You picked Gabby Hoffman because I feel like we didn't get a lot of her character and who she is outside of her relationship with Jenny. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah. And I kind of wished we had. Um, but that was, I think, the one brief flash that we got because not just that she makes that whole speech, but then that she seems like very annoyed that she even like had to make that speech and that her friends weren't like on board with her in that. Right. Because I a relate to that. And B, I just thought it was, like, very telling of her character in a way that her other scenes weren't. Like, sure. she's got very strong opinions about this, and she's got things in the world that are bothering her and frustrating her, and, like, she needs her friends on her side. Right. And so when they're doing things that kind of, like, violate that, she gets very frustrated. Well, she just, she struck me as very, uh, you know, like, my kind of, my kind of person in the, you know, like, when, when in the very beginning when we first meet her and you know, Jenny's just been broken up with and it's, do you want to talk about it? No? Okay, we'll just fucking sit here and drink and whatever. Like, she's very supportive. She, she's very good at reading the relationship. Yeah. So she's very supportive and open when she needs to be, but she can also sort of be like, no, this is the way it is and, like, not take any shit and sort of, you know, give it to you straight kind of thing. In a way, she kind of reminded me of Caitlin Reed, my, my good friend Caitlin Reed, in a, little, in a lot of ways. You're a good friend. You're all friends with Caitlin Reed. <laughs> the world is friends with Caitlin Reed. I'm just saying. Uh, it, she, she, it, she, but she's one of my she's one of my closest friends, and she reminded me of her in that way. Uh, so yeah, so I, I, I'm 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 going with Gabby Hoffman for sure. Um, this is unrelated to Harley Ghostbusters, but I just wanted to bring it up because it's one of my favorite moments in the film. Yeah, go for it. Um, so. I love the kind of, like, callback that almost isn't a callback to when she first meets Max and he's peeing on the side of the road and accidentally, like, farts right in her face while he's peeing. And then when they meet again after that, he clearly doesn't remember that part. Like, he remembers peeing on the street. And so he's making a joke about the peeing on the street. And she's like, haha, yeah, among other things. And he's like, what? And I just love that look on her face, and then she's like, never mind, like, that choice to not tell him, especially considering, like, there were so many moments where he would do something potentially embarrassing, and she would just laugh so hard, and I remember thinking, like, you know, that's part of how they work well together, because when she laughs really hard, he's not offended. Yeah. Like, a lot of people would be offended, Um, but in a way, like, that laughter kind of makes the embarrassing thing less embarrassing, but a lot of people would still be really offended, and like, oh, you're laughing at me. So I just love that she could have continued to, like, laugh at him or make fun of him, and instead she just, like, took the choice not to remind him, because then it wouldn't be embarrassing. Like, oh, no, I don't know. And I could, like, so see it clearly in my head, like, if this relationship takes, like, two or three years down the line, her being oh, like, yeah. okay, I have to tell you what actually happened that oh, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, it being something they could, like, just laugh over. So I got a couple of news items from the past week, uh... The, the big one, which is literally sort of breaking news just a couple hours ago, uh, Ryan Johnson, director Ryan Johnson, will, it looks like he will be taking over the Star Wars trilogy. Um, after, he's not taking over, replacing J.J. Abrams, J.J. is going to finish the movie he's 
shooting now. He'll be doing episode seven. But Ryan Johnson will be taking over for uh, he'll be writing uh, and directing episodes eight and nine. It looks like um, Ryan Johnson, who directed uh, Brick and The Brothers Bloom and Looper, uh, which are all just fantastic movies. Um, and I wrote about this a little bit today, but you know, I'm I'm a little conflicted because look, I'm very excited at the idea of Ryan Johnson's Star Wars movies. I mean. The guy can write like nobody's business, and he's a really he's he shoots the hell out of a movie, um, and I think it, I think it's a big step up from JJ. I mean, Bart, have you seen any all of those movies? Nope. Have you seen any of those? What were they again? Uh, Luke, Luke and, nope. and Brothers Bloom. Nope. nope. Uh, I own all of them. You should watch them all. Nope. Yeah, he's he's also directed some Breaking Bad too. Jamie, you've seen all three of those movies, right? Yeah, you've seen them all. He's he's uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> no he's great uh, so I'm really excited at the idea that he's going to do Star Wars um, but I like I want to see I want to see original Ryan Johnson movies I'm really sad at the idea of, like he's going to make these two movies that's going to book him up through 2020 yeah that's a like, while that's I mean that the fact that we're not going to get another it's the opposite of how I feel about Edgar Wright leaving Ant Man it's like oh well that maybe this means we're going to get an original Edgar Wright movie you know sometime faster than, than he was, you know, doing this Marvel thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sad that we're not going to see an original. It's not like he's not going to be able to pull the Nolan deal, where he can right. sort of do one for them and one for me and space these things out. Disney has a very set timetable. They want these movies coming out every other year. So, uh, and that's the other thing that worries me, is him being sort of trapped in this in this box at, at, by Disney. You know, sort of having that really getting micromanaged by Disney executives because they see this as a cash cow, basically. They see this as just another revenue stream, another way to, you know, build things in the amusement park and, you know, sell T-shirts at Disney stores. Um, So, uh, you know, that that worries me a little bit. But but still, I mean, that's as a Star Wars fan, that's that's very exciting news. I'm certainly more excited at the idea of him doing, uh, taking over the trilogy than the idea of Abrams doing the whole trilogy. Right. Uh, which I think everyone had sort of assumed up to this point, unless Star Wars, unless Episode 7 somehow managed to bomb, which, honestly, it, I just don't think it, possible to I mean, I Even mean, if it ends up with bad word of mouth, it's still going to make a shit ton of money. I mean, even Episode 1 made a shit yeah, ton exactly. of money. Yeah, exactly. That movie sucked yeah. terribly. <laughs> just, just terrible. I would have been happier to see him doing it, to see Johnson doing a standalone movie, though. Yeah. Um, because I think the standalone movies probably have a little bit more leeway, um, where they can do... You can do some weirder stuff with those, you know. Maybe not like the Boba, the Boba Fett origin story or the young Han Solo movie or whatever. But you know, if he can really just sort of do well, technically some we know, story, we, we know Boba Fett's origin story. That's true. I've seen the Disney holiday, spe- the Star Wars holiday special. So I've seen episode two. Uh, well, that too. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. No, I mean, uh, I mean, it's exciting, but it's also so I put this little tinge of regret there for me. Um, but Bart, yeah, really, you should see, uh, you should see all three of them. I will, all glad, three of them are I will great. gladly do that. They're, they're fantastic. Um, uh, now Bart, you and I are very lifelong, dedicated Steve Martin fans. We are. Um, now there was a, a bit of Steve Martin-ness that happened this week. Back in blue. Uh, what, no, so there was a story going around yeah. that... Uh, that the studio was developing a third Father of the Bride movie. I don't think I've seen Father of the Bride. 
And I don't regret it. Yeah, you're you're it's okay. Very good. It's I, I I don't know how well that movie holds up. I would be curious it I'd be curious up. to watch I've it again. It yeah, I haven't seen it recently. See, but there's a difference between Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Man with Two Brains, yeah. the jerk Steve Martin. Right. And then Modern and, Steve and Martin. No, 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 no. There's and then and Family then, Steve and Martin. And then there's Family Steve Martin, yeah. which I have no interest in. Mm-hmm. And then, and but then there's that weird middle ground, Steve Martin, which is like Roxanne and mm-hmm. Honor of the Bride, and I don't have that much interest in that either. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't but think it's, he's but like, like saccharine or schmaltzy in this movie, though. No, but it's not like I want the jerk, right, Steve Martin. Well, you know, I'm happy. Like I almost would rather. Like I've seen maybe I have seen Father of the Bride, but not a long. It's been long enough anyway. Yeah. I don't really remember. Yeah, and and it's the same thing with Roxanne. Like I've seen, I know I've seen Roxanne at some point. And right, I just, I just it's back in there in the back of my head somewhere, and I'm almost happy to leave it there because when I want to watch Steve Martin, I want '80s. Yeah, Steve. Martin. Well, and I think the hard, I think what makes it harder is that um, if that had been it, if they, if we had just had like the jerk Steve Martin and Father of the Bride Roxanne Steve Martin, and those were the extremes. I think those would be a lot easier to swallow because yeah, it would sort yeah. of be like, oh yeah, he's yeah, doing these yeah. movies that yeah, are yeah. they're a little more mainstream, but you know, it's still Steve Martin. The guy can't not be funny. Like he's right. still he's still he's still making it work even in these mainstream movies. Right. Whereas, the problem whereas, whereas, is like cheaper by the dozen. Steve Martin can right, know. but that's the problem. You see those movies now. It's, it's like Eddie of, Murphy. Yeah, what happened to Eddie Murphy. It, it's exactly the same thing. So you see, Father of the Bride and and Roxanne, they become instead uh, they become the stepping stones right. to modern day, you know, child, uh, you know, uh, family friend, super family friendly. You know what I can't wait? Steve I can't wait for the kids who grew up not on eighty Steve Martin. Yeah, the kids who grew up on shitty Steve Martin. Yeah, to get older and be like, wait a minute. Why is this so much funnier when they see the jerk? And... I had that exact experience with Chevy Chase because when we oh, were kids, that's true. When we were kids, Chevy Chase made nothing but shitty movies. Some right. movie where he was Jonathan yeah. Taylor Thomas's stepfather, or he was uh, uh, Jack Palance's neighbor and you undercover. Men of yeah. the house. Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting it right next to Cops and Robertsons. Uh, I mean, he just he just made lots of really middle ground. Bad, bad, bad family and comedies. And then you saw Caddyshack. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when I was like in my twenties, I found Caddyshack and Fletch, and I went, "Holy shit! This guy used to be amazingly funny." John Candy. What happened? Yes. John uh, so it's it's. I mean, yeah, the, you're right. That exact that exact same thing is going to happen. God bless you, Bill Murray. Yeah. You're never going there. Well, no, he just pulled out a lot faster. Well, Operation right. uh, Dumbo Drop happened. I for- well, <laughs> okay. He just, as soon as he started to go down that road, he disappeared for the better part of a decade. And yeah. when he came back, it was in Rushmore. So there was a rumor going around this past week that he was going to come back to a third Father of the Bride movie. So the first one was about, yeah, his, his oldest daughter getting married. And the second one, uh, his oldest daughter is now married and she gets pregnant. Um, so meet, does meet his, the and so does his wife. As too. does his wife. Diane oh, Keaton is his wife. Has she a gets late life baby. Yep. Uh, and the proposed premise for this Rick third Science. one. Yeah. The proposed premise for this third one was that now his younger kid, his son, 
is also going to get married, except he's going to get gay married, and he, Steve Martin has a problem with it. See, I never read anything saying he has a problem with it. No, that was the original story. Oh, okay, because all the things I read just say this is the premise. Like, the younger son is now telling his dad that he's getting married, but he's marrying a man, period. And he's like, marrying a Navy SEAL. Yeah. A, that's right. No, it was a Navy... Was it a Navy, Navy SEAL? SEAL? I read Navy SEAL's son. No, he was getting married doing Navy so SEAL. So the dad, the dad of the groom... Or yeah. the Navy SEAL, but I but I never read anything saying the Steve Martin character would have a problem. Yeah, no, the original story came from Nikki Fink, and she said that it was like that Steve Martin has a like his character has a problem with it, and the wife kicks him out of the house, and like and it's all about him learning to accept his his gay son. That which, sounds. Ugh. I know, right? And it's like see now that's frustrating. I didn't think that's what it was. Yeah, first well, and that's why when I that was the story was that that was the plot, and that Steve Martin was on board, that he was you know attached and he was ready to do it, and he was ready and willing. Uh, thankfully, Steve Martin came out on Twitter like the next day and went, "I don't know what the fuck anybody is talking about. I have not read a script. I have not seen anything. I am not making this movie." And I breathed a sigh of relief. Steve Martin somehow managed to retain a single shred of decency uh, in this terrible, terrible world. All right, Jamie. Okay, so, can I... Okay, first of all, for those of you who don't know, Father of the Bride is a remake of an old Spencer Tracy movie. That's true. So, uh, when you go to movieguide.org, it has the original Father of the Bride and the Father of the Bride remake listed, but when you click on them, there's nothing there. However, Father of the Bride Part 2 is there. Oh, good. And so, first I have to explain to Bart, who has never seen it, that um, Martin Short plays the <laughs> wedding planner. Oh, great. And his name is... And so then he becomes the nursery planner in the second one. Yes. And he's so like doing Lamaze His name is Frank. His name is Frank. And B.B. Wong is his assistant. Oh, God. And it is all exactly as you would expect of an early 90s movie about two men who are playing wedding planners. Yeah. So this is what the content part, my favorite part, of Father of the Bride Part 2 is. Strong Christian worldview promoting love, fatherhood, marriage, commitment, and forgiveness. Ten exclamatory oh gods, I told you. And one colloquialism, bitchin'. Some, <laughs> some mild sexual illusions. You know, well, yeah, they have sex they on the kitchen pregnant, floor. So, I was going to yeah. say, they have sex on the kitchen floor. That's so, not how that happens. But they're married. <laughs> some mild sexual illusions. And two sexually ambivalent characters. <laughs> Ambivalent. Hold on. And great soundtrack, which includes several moral songs, including When the Saints Go Marching In. Wow. Which to me is not a song I have ever associated with actual saints so much as New Orleans. So I love that that's a moral song. Uh, It's glorious. It is a funny, entertaining, positive portrait of a traditional family produced with exquisite love and compassion. This pro-family... Pro father, pro life movie will make you laugh and cry and go home feeling better about your life. If I recall, uh, Eugene Levy also plays a surly Saudi Arabian guy who buys his house. That's true. Oh, in fact, yeah, okay. exactly. In, in fact, every element of this film has been crafted to perfection, and in the end, it lifts up the American family and the American father in a way that has never been done in a film before. Jamie, Jamie. Not no. even the first one or the original. Did, did you just pee? Or did you, did you just fart in my face? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh. No, the website oh. did, Bart. That's true. The it, website. The website totally farted in your face. I crafted the American family in a way that has never been done before. Lord. Um, I don't know what to say about the jerk. Yeah, so, look, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Scoundrels, actually. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm happy this movie's not happening. Apparently, uh, I think we're all better yeah. off with that. Did I was distracted by looking this up? Did you say the part about C. Martin? Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. Uh, See, so yes. I think the world is a better place with not a gay panic father of the bride thirty. But there is one other story here that uh, we have to talk about, and that's the horrifying specter of Ghostbusters three. Once again, rearing its ugly head. Uh, you know, look, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is, three, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, I mean, look, Ghost, so Ghostbusters basically our favorite film. I mean, for listeners who are unaware, I literally have a No Ghost logo tattooed upon my flesh. Um, it's not untrue. It's not untrue. So it was his birthday present to myself, to himself, yes, with love, indeed. Uh, so, look, uh, Columbia's Sony has been trying to get a Ghostbusters 3 off the ground for years. I mean, and as has Dan Aykroyd. That's not to say that it's just a studio. Aykroyd has been wanting to do this for a long time. Murray has always been skeptical. There, I kind of hoped for a minute after Harold Ramis died that it would maybe just, everyone would finally go, maybe we should just walk away. But no, not, not going to happen. Um, but there was a story going around this week about uh, the, the studio basically... Uh, had brought in Max Landis, John Landis's son, who wrote Chronicle, um, and also wrote this uh, Victor Frankenstein movie coming out. It's all like Frankenstein through the eyes of Igor, as played by Harry Potter. But anyway, that they that basically Max Landis met with the studio with a pitch for for a Ghostbusters three. Um, the he tweeted all of this stuff out. Landis tweeted all of this stuff out. Um, and so it got a big, got a big reaction on the Twitters and on, on the internet. Um, and the, I'm curious to see, Bar, what you think of this pitch. Um, pitch the, me. The pitch was this: that did, so the opening scene is Evo Shandor being uh, uh, talking to an overweight associate of his, uh, talking about how, yeah, uh, you know, the, the the cult of Gozer. He's trying to protect the cult of Gozer worshippers, and uh, that he's you know put all of this stuff in motion so that in 1984 uh, you know the, the the gate would open and Gozer would return uh, and then that it would somehow happen again 20 years later uh, the gate would open again 20 years after that Shandor kills his overweight associate who's gonna you know rat out the the cult um, so he kills he kills the he poisons the associate and then. We cut, uh, you know, pull out, and we find out we're in the Cedric Hotel, and that the fat now dead guy is Slimer. Yes, um, and then it cuts to the present day, in which the Ghostbusters are a like you know international successful franchise, and there are all these different Ghostbuster teams in different cities and different countries. Uh, 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 no, Egon is dead, and. Uh, Bankman lives on, on alone on a private island. Winston's a retired millionaire, and Ray is like trying to keep the whole thing together, even though ghost activity is on the decline, and it's like they're basically sort of back in the position of Ghostbusters Two, where 
you know, there's well, there they, if they thing. were back in the position of Ghostbusters too. Well, yeah, well, it's were, not quite there. Where the whole city was pissed at them for destroying that one building. Yeah. By the end of Ghostbusters two, they have destroyed the Statue of, of Liberty. Liberty. Yeah. Uh, well, no, but I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say they're back in the state of Ghostbusters two, but they're in a place where you know business is basically getting ready to close down, and so one team of Ghostbusters decides they'll summon a ghost in order to, you know, prop up business, and so, of course, they inadvertently summon Gozer, and uh, they good Ghostbusters have to team up and in aim, order to... And aim for the flat top? Yeah, exactly, so... Uh, um, no. Yeah, I don't know. The, appara- no, I do know. The answer is... Yeah. No. Well, yeah, so the apparently, according to Landis, the, the real pitch of it was that, like, uh, there was a, basically a, a big meta-commentary on the whole thing. Which is that you know about leaving the past alone and have this being like a big nobody wanting to touch this like this whole thing being a terrible idea that nobody wanted to deal with. Um, I, I just I just well, don't that, care. I mean that idea you have to do that at this point. Yeah. Um, I just I just don't I just don't care about the Ghostbusters. Like I I care. I just don't want it to be. That that franchise should not go the way of the fun train wreck. That's not what that should be. That's just the Terminator fun. franchise, basically the Terminator trajectory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, there's no there's no dodging this bullet. You know, Sony's going to make this movie because well, we, we don't have to see it. No, that's well, we don't have to. We're gonna. We saw new RoboCop. We're gonna see new Ghostbusters. Yeah, but we saw new RoboCop. See, the thing is, I. If you recall, and if you don't recall, go listen to the other podcast. Yeah. I went into that expecting and wanting a fun train wreck. Yeah. I wanted it to be as far removed oh, sure. from real RoboCop yeah. as possible. Yeah. Um, and it, you know. Uh, yeah, no, look, Sony Sony doesn't have any, they don't have any franchises, you know? They're, oh, just make another Spider-Man. That's all they've got. They've literally just got Spider-Man, but no, the Spider-Man movies are tanking. Like they're 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 not good, and the audience is seeming to suddenly realize that they're not good. So, well, you know why they've been spoiled with kind of all right, yeah, superhero movies exactly. So, Spider Man's Spider Man is not performing the way they want it to. Uh, Reboot it again. They only have like partial uh, ownership on Bond. Uh, not really even. I don't think they really have any position on Bond. Oh, no, maybe they do. I think they still have. Do they make any more Craigs? So, yeah, Craig, they have another Craig movie coming. Actually, they've got like three or four more Craig movies coming, to be honest. Uh, so they've got, they sort of have Bond, but it's not wholly owned. They have Spider-Man. That's really all they've got. So they need, they need some successful franchises, and they want existing IP. Oh, so. just, just adapt PlayStation games. Well, they're certainly going to do that. That's not going to, that's not going to stop happening, so. Um, but yeah, so Ghostbusters 3, look, yeah, we're going to get... We're gonna get suckered into watching this movie. There's just no, there's just no way it's gonna be good. I don't care. I don't care who they cast. I don't care what directors they bring in. The only people who would give me would even give me the slightest bit of hope were yeah. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who did the Jump Street movies, because they seem to be able to take terrible movie ideas and make them watchable. Uh, yeah. Not more than watchable, make them excellent. Uh, they've already passed on this movie. I can't imagine why. Studio immediately courted them after the Lego movie, and they immediately bailed. And they said, no, no, thank you. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't touch Ghostbusters with a 10-foot, 10-meter yeah. cow prod. Exactly. 
So um, I don't care who they cast. I don't care who they bring in. At the this only, point, I mean, I honestly, to me, the only people who could have made it kind of all right would be the, I mean, would be Aykroyd and Ramis and Bill Murray. Yeah, those guys are old, man. No, they no, can't no, carry no, no. A movie no, I'm not saying to carry the movie. I'm saying to write to, to make write and craft to actually film. make the movie. Yeah, um, but obviously, Bill Murray was not. Yeah, no, and thank, thank God. I mean, Phil Murray is the somehow the voice of sanity in this whole thing. Going, guys, no, yeah, somehow not doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I, it only makes me love him more. It only makes me love Bill Murray more that he's literally the the hold up. I mean, it's just no, it's not not doing it, guys. Yeah. So the closest we're gonna get is him is Zombieland. Is him putting on a proton pack. And chasing Woody Harrelson around his own giant bedroom in Zombieland. That's fine. So, uh, well, that, that, that probably just about wraps it up. So thank, thank you guys for, for being here as always. Uh, you can follow me on the uh, Twitter, at uh, Daily Screening, uh, on Facebook, uh, as well as on the website, uh, dailyscreening.com. Thank you guys for listening. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow.